Well, I'm glad you're here this morning. This is the fourth Sunday in Advent. Advent is the time of anticipation. And when you get to the fourth Sunday in Advent, you know that it's almost here, right? Some of you are anticipating Christmas even more than others of you. Some of you, I'm guessing, have been anticipating Christmas since the last gift was opened last year. And now we're in this fourth Sunday of Advent. I want to take a look at, in this time of anticipation, I want to take a look both historically, uh, but also kind of in the immediate. You know, historians look at kind of things from two different lenses. Historians look at what happened But historians also look at how did the stuff that was happening affect the people who were there. So there's kind of this history back then, but what were they doing and how did that fit with them? We're going to do that a little bit this morning. Recognizing, we're going to look at a text from Luke chapter 1. So if you like to follow along, you can turn or scroll to that, but... uh, This is the account of Mary getting the news. Mary getting the news that the Messiah was on his way. Mary gets the news. It's kind of like the fourth Sunday in Advent. She realizes, oh, it's almost here. This anticipated, long-awaited Messiah is almost here. And we're going to look at this encounter in Luke chapter 1. And we're going to take a look a little bit at Mary's response to some really amazing, maybe even disturbing news. Before we go to God's word, let's have a word of prayer. Father God, as we come to you with our hearts open and God's word, your word open to us this morning, would you work in it? to shape our hearts and our minds and our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to read Luke chapter 1. I'm going to start with verse 26. It starts out in the sixth month. Now, that's actually the sixth month of her cousin Elizabeth's pregnancy. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin who was betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Uh, one quick word about betrothal. We sometimes interpret that as engagement, and that's not entirely wrong, but betrothal carried with it a significantly stronger connection. This was kind of like the, the wedding has started, but the marriage isn't started yet. It's kind of a, so Mary has been promised. Some of the translations say had been promised, but it's more than that. She was connected in a pretty significant cultural way to a marriage that was about to take place. Continuing on, and it came to her, 
And, and he came to her, that's Gabriel. He came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what had been said, at this saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. I'm going to stop there for a moment and think about Mary, greatly troubled. It's probably not surprising, right? I'm guessing you or I would have the same response. If an angel showed up in my room, I don't know what angels look like. I don't know. I've I've seen a lot of artists' renderings, but I've never seen, I, I don't know if I've ever seen one. Actually, to be honest with you, since I don't know what they look like, maybe I have seen one. I don't know, but, but Mary sees Gabriel. And, and she's greatly troubled. Yeah. And she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. You know, the, the, the greeting one, greetings, O favored one. What does it mean to, to be the favored one of God? Have, have any of you had a sibling who's accused you of being dad's favorite or mom's favorite? Most of the time, the reaction of somebody who gets that is like, no, 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 no. I, <laughs> that's a responsibility I don't want to carry. What's it like? To hear the angels say, you are favored of God. Maybe Mary was troubled because she felt the pressure. I don't know, but obviously the angel Gabriel recognized in her unspoken reaction that it was, that Mary was troubled because it goes on. Verse 30, to say, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you've found favor with God and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus and he will be great and we called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? (laughs) Mary's Mary's response is, "Uh, that's not the way this works. (laughs) Right? It doesn't, don't don't you know? Um, I I haven't been with anybody. I, I, at that point in time, if I were Mary, would be questioning whether Gabriel really was from God. Like, you created this process. This isn't the way this process works. And even in the midst of her questioning, the angel Gabriel and the word of the Lord, the angel Gabriel doesn't go, fine, and leave. The word of the Lord is what it is, and Gabriel sticks around in the middle of a question of like, I don't think so, God. Doesn't work that way. 
The angel Gabriel sticks around. And there was also, there must have been something about the angel Gabriel's message that, that led Mary to believe this is not a prophetic message like someday. Mary would have, suppose the angel came to her and said, uh, Mary, uh, one day you're going to have a son and you should call him Jesus. I don't think Mary would have reacted this way to that question about, oh, you'll have a family someday. Here's, here's the name of your firstborn. There was something about the message that made Mary say, no, this isn't someday after Joseph and I, after our marriage is completed. This is, this is like right now. God, this, this doesn't work this way. Her reaction says she gets it. She gets it. This is something serious and significant. Help me wrap my brain around this. In a sense, Angel, can you explain this to a, in a way that I can understand? Because <laughs> this makes no sense to me. Verse 35, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative... And By the way, the angel Gabriel knows that, that Mary's still going. Still doesn't make sense. This is going to take something miraculous. I don't get it. And the angel Gabriel uses her relative Elizabeth as an example. Like, like he's saying, okay, Mary, God is in the miracle business. This is okay. The stuff that doesn't make sense to you, he's good at doing stuff like that. So he uses Elizabeth as the example and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. See, she can't be pregnant either, but she is. She is in the sixth month, even though she was called barren, for nothing is impossible with God. And then Mary, in the last of her responses to this angel's visit, Mary says, behold, I'm a servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. Gabriel's work was done. He had brought a message. He had gotten a response. And he was done. Mary's response essentially says, well, God, you say so. Uh, if you say I'm pregnant, then I will bear the child. I've wondered how much Mary knew. I'm sure Mary had seen other women in their community and in her family. She was not unfamiliar with how the birthing process worked. What Mary was saying yes to is... What some have said, and I think it's true, 
might be the most unselfish act of any human being to bear a child. Nine months and I don't have any idea who this child is. I've never met them. But how I eat, how I sleep, how I interact, all, this, all of this I do for the child inside me. And Mary was taking this on. It was going to take a lot from her. Beyond that, Mary must have known this isn't going to look good to my friends and neighbors. She might have asked, what's dad going to say? How do I tell my father? I can't hide this long, right? How do I tell my father? She might have wondered, how do I tell, what do I say when my friends and neighbors Ask me about it, or worse yet, when they don't ask. And they just stand along the edges of the road and snicker when I walk by. What do I tell them? What's she going to tell Joseph? You know, we know from looking at the Matthew passage, we understand that that Gabriel's going to go visit Joseph too. Gabriel's going to kind of pave that road a little bit. But Mary doesn't know that here. When she says, let it be to me according to your word, she likely thought that she was going to have to break the news to Joseph. How do I do that? And despite all of that, she simply responds by saying, I'm God's servant. Let it be to me according to his word. Let it be to me as your word has said. There's something about God's word when it comes to us. There's something about God's word that invites a response. Maybe better said, there's something about God's word that comes to us that demands a response. Mary could have responded differently. Mary could have said, I don't think so, God. More than I want to take on right now. But of course, God knew her heart. God's word often comes to us in ways that invite us to respond. Even demand a response from us. So what does God's word say? Well, it says a lot of things. I want to highlight just a few. In John chapter 3, verse 16, many of you know this very, very, very well. God speaks of his love for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God's word comes to you and tells you, you are loved. And maybe at some gut level, you want to respond with, wait a minute, God, I don't know how this can work. 
God, you don't know about me what I know about me. God, I'm not as lovable as people think I look. How can you say I'm loved? Don't you know how this world works? Oh, maybe he does. God, if you love me, then I will bear your love. See, Mary didn't bear the Messiah just for her own sin. She bore the Messiah for your sin and for my sin. And God doesn't just love us because he loves us. He loves us and he wants us to share that love with others in the same way. God, if you say I'm loved, let it be to me according to your word. Even when I don't understand how it is you could love me, let it be. Let me be loved. I will bear your love. In 1 John, there's this bold statement about forgiveness. In 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Forgiveness? But God, don't you know? Don't you know what I've done? I don't understand how it could possibly be that there's forgiveness. It doesn't make sense. But there it is. In God's word, as, as, as clear as it can be, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If God, if you say I'm forgiven, then I will bear your forgiveness. I'll bear it in my own heart for me. And I'll bear it for those others around me. Another call in God's word, that a, a call that invites our response comes in the book of 2 Corinthians. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God says there is reconciliation. We can be reconciled to God and we can be reconciled to one another. And like Mary's kind of reaction before it was all said and done, we might say, oh, wait a minute. God, don't you know the culture we live in? Don't you know this society? Haven't you seen what's on Facebook? Don't you get it? There is no reconciliation. Reconciliation makes no sense in 21st century America. How can there be reconciliation? God says in Jesus... We have reconciliation with the Father 
And that allows us to bear the message of reconciliation to one another. God, if, if your word says that there's reconciliation, then I will bear reconciliation. God's word also tells us that we have peace. Peace on earth is a common phrase this time of year. Romans 5.1, Paul says, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, there is peace. It doesn't say, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, some of the time there might be some peace if you look for it hard enough. God's word to us says, being justified by faith, we have peace. Mary's response was, let it be to me according to your word. So what do we do with the message of love? What do we do with the message of forgiveness? What do we do with the message of reconciliation? What do we do with the message of peace? Because when Mary first comes across it, her initial reaction is, this makes no sense. I don't get it. It can't be. This isn't even possible. I'll confess to you, I've had all those reactions to forgiveness and reconciliation and and peace and God's love for me. I've had all those reactions. But Mary's conclusion, when all is said and done and she still, nothing will convince me and, and this is speculation, But even with all of Gabriel's explanation, this cannot have made full sense to Mary. It just can't have made complete sense. But in spite of all of that, Mary says, let it be to me according to your word. I would suggest for each of us that response. Lord, may it be to us according to your word. Let's pray. Father God, your word is powerful and active. Your word is exactly what we need. And your word tells us exactly who we are. Lord, would you give us the faith to respond like your servant Mary. Would you let your word take root in our hearts and in our lives that we might bear its truth. Amen.